Welcome back to Friends Like Us. Marina Franklin here, your host. This week on Friends, we have our men for the month. It's a golden episode, and we have a new friend to the show. Uyata Udi. Uyata is a Los Angeles-based actor who stars as Inspector Deck in Hulu's drama Wu-Tang, an American saga. And let me tell you, it's a must stream. You're going to love this young man. He's amazing. Wait till you hear him on this show. You're going to fall in love. You may also recognize him from HBO's Watchmen, NBC's This Is Us, For The Record. And Udi has a number of Broadway credits under his belt, being the only Nigerian cast member in the three-time Tony-winning musical Fela. And he performed for the Obama White House. Of course, there's no other White House than the Obama White House. Nina Karufi is back. Nina Karufi is a producer for various different platforms, SiriusXM, MSNBC's Joanne Reed, and even, yes, Fox News. She has launched her very first children's book called I'm a Princess Too. It's available on Amazon. And recently she partnered up with the Amazon app. Every week at 1 p.m., she'll be going live to show all her favorite products. So check her out. Congratulations, Nina. My young star is growing up. John Laster is back. John is a New York City-based comedian. He's appeared on BET's Comic View for three seasons. He's also appeared in New York's Underground Comedy Festival. And you can see him weekly at the world-famous Comedy Cellar. As well, John started a new app, a much-needed app. It's called Blap. That's right, Blap. Ever wondered... Where do I get my black-owned products where I live? Blap, an app designed to help you get black-owned products near you. That's B-L-A-P, Blap. I want to thank all of our listeners of Friends Like Us. Because of you, we make some pretty impressive lists. You can hear us on Google Podcasts Now, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Apple Podcasts. Review and rate us on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe. And I'm learning that on Apple Podcasts, they change the way their app works. So you have to refresh your page and make sure that you are actually subscribed in order to listen to the new episode as it goes out. You can email us at friendslikeuspodcast at gmail. Our Instagram is Friends Like Us Podcast and Twitter is Friends Like Us 10. Become more than a friend. Leave us a tip or donation by going to our Patreon page. Go to Patreon backslash Friends Like Us. Special shout out to our Patreon friends. It's because of you we keep going. Merch is available with the new logo. We have t-shirts, hoodies, coffee mugs, face masks, and tank tops both for purchase at marinafranklin.com weekly on my YouTube channel, I go live with my assistant. You ever want to yell at me, say, Marina, you're wrong. This is my opinion. This is the place to do it every Saturday. We give updates to the show, shout out our fans who leave reviews, and we have guest friends from the podcast there, like Zainab Johnson was there, Super Girl, Vanessa Fraction, and Pat Brown. Oh, and sometimes we offer free stuff like tickets to comedy shows. And with friends like us, it'll help you feel not so alone because more content is on the way. Most important, tell a friend you know to check us out. Wash those dirty little hands, wear a mask still, get vaccinated, and... Black Lives Matter. Welcome to Friends Like Us. Marina Franklin here, your host. Today I have Nina Karufi. She's back. And John Laster. And soon to be joining us is a star, but he will be announced. He's I am meeting him for the first time on this episode. So, Yothe. 
hopefully I got the name right. It's a Nigerian name, but I'm going to get it right, I hopeful. Who is going to be in the second ep- season of the Wu-Tang America. Yes, the American saga on the Hulu. So we were just talking, because he's not here yet, but we were just talking with John Laster about John started an app and he's now working with other people. Tell us about your frustrations and, and you're, a, you're a boss now. I really am. Uh, I'm a, yo, I'm a CEO. How about that? That's right. Yeah. Um, of a um, tech company that supports black owned businesses called Black. Um, and we are starting our share officially right here on the Friends Like Us podcast. Got uh, breaking news. Yeah. So we're asking everybody to download the app. Go to the App Store, Play Store. Download Blap. Share it with 10 friends and post your badge on your social media and join the Blab Share-a-thon. And my developers this morning um, let me know after a week's time, this long weekend, that we are in the same place that we were last week and my head almost popped off. Yeah. I had um, as much hair as Marina and I pulled it all out. <laughs> oh, I was like, I don't have that much, but <laughs> to me, <laughs> I had long dreads this morning and I pulled them all out. Uh, talking to the psychos um, and my development team is all around the world. But the thing that set me off was one of them giggled at the end of what he said. He said, oh, yeah, we were waiting on the information. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. That's the last thing you want to hear is a giggle when you're trying to get stuff right. Oh, that's the last thing you want to hear when you're spending $10,000 a week and you have two days left to finish this app and somebody's going on vacation in two days. Meaning if it's not done after he just giggled in two days, that's going to be another $10,000. Yeah. Yeah, that'll, that'll get your pot boiling. $10,000? Who's got that? I'm just trying to divide how many spots I would have to do to make $10,000. Yo, let me tell you. <laughs> a lot of spots. Being a startup CEO, I was talking about it on stage the other day. It's like being a homeless person. Like, you're just walking around all day like, hey, can I, you got $10,000? Like, I just, that's what I do all day. I'm on the phone and in pitch decks all day asking people for 10 stacks at a time. So, yeah, it's, um, it's tricky. But... The good news is, I mean, I've had a lot of friends say that they're already using the app. I ta- I was on a podcast last night and a friend of mine said that she bought her wedding cake from a bakery that they oh, found. Oh, let me on. get the app right now, John. Let me let me stop fronting and support you like for real for yes. real. Would you please do let that? Me, let me go to it. Let's let's both do it, Nina. Come on. Everyone do it. Let's see. App. I can show people how easy, how fast this is. Yes. B-L-A-P-P. B-L-A-P-P. Black. Yeah. All right. Uh, oh, I love it. You got 20, you got five stars or is it six stars? <laughs> five. five. How do stars yeah. work? Yeah. Okay. We got you there. Get. That's amazing. Especially the fact that you thought of an app that doesn't already exist is like impossible nowadays. Well, the truth of the matter though Nina, is it, 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 it is in existence. It's the technology that was different this time because what other, other apps were doing prior to this was basically opening up. Like there's an app like this, that's just for Brooklyn, right? So okay. what they, did is they tried to find all the black owned businesses in Brooklyn and then they put them in an app and they said, you know, scroll through these and see what you like. 
What we did differently was we used Google technology. So our app works across the country. Wow. You know what I mean? And it, you don't have to tell it where you are. It knows where you're standing like Uber. And then it says, oh, yeah. damn, yeah. that's cool. And unlike the other apps that are like, hey, here's the restaurants that are by you. Thank you. You know, that's our app. Our app has restaurants. It has bakeries. It'll tell you where the black owned liquor stores are around you. Um, there's shoes. There's sunglasses. There's there's um, there's liquor stores. There's restaurants. There's bars. There's barbershops. There's hair salons. There's spas. There's bookstores. You know what I mean? So it's all in- the hair salon is like the best thing because yeah. so many of my black friends tell me they go to get their hair done. The girls don't know how to deal with black hair. Yes, and they end up getting like fucked up like fucked up haircuts and stuff. Yeah. So I feel like the nail salons and the, the hair salons are going to be like my friends yes. go to on Blap, There's lawyers, there's doctors, there's therapists, there's pet care. So we um, took an all encompassing approach um, again. So it's, it's very different. And again, like I said, it's Google technology. So people are familiar with, okay, here's a map. I know where I'm at. This is what's around me. And let me just pick what I'm looking for. Yeah. The first purchase was actually um, a friend of mine's birthday. We went um, and I had just got the prototype. You know her too, Marina, because she was she was used to be a server at um, at the cellar. Her name's Mareb. She's from Eritrea, um, young African sister. And I was like, yo, I'm going to get you a couple bottles of wine for your birthday. And she was like, why don't you use your app? And I was like, <gasps> so I hit the button on the app, find out that there's a black owned liquor store two blocks away from me that I never knew about. I go down to the liquor store, buy the two bottles of wine, come out, and I just started bawling. Yeah. Because that, keep in mind, there's a wine store directly across the street from me. So that $50 went in that register, but something for reason, my head started computing. Oh my God, what if we got a million people to download this app, right? And they did what I did one time, never touched the app again. That would be $50 million in black registers. This is what I was yes. doing. Sorry, yes. I was listening to you. There's the app. But I want to make sure because I'm old, you know, like I, I see things and then I think I've, I've uploaded it and then it asks for my face recognition, but then I have my reading glasses on. Then I have to take my, put my code in, but I can't remember my code because I'm freaking old. <laughs> Allow location. Uh-oh. Who, John, you're going to be follow, following me? Wait, John, I have a, que a technical question. Okay. So from like idea, not from idea, because you could have an idea for years, but I'm saying from like actual, like first step of getting the app done to completion, like how long was the process? The process was um, a year, a little over, a little over a year because, you know, we should be, we should have wrapped this app, the, 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 the development should have been done Friday. So let's pretend that it was done Friday. So the, the text went out on June 5th, 2020, where I text my friend in Silicon Valley, a dear friend of mine for life, her name's Margo. And I text her and said, I want to create an app. I had just come back from Eastern Parkway and I was out there marching. And I knew in my heart, this is going to end. You know what I mean? This isn't going to create any generational change. And I, I'm, I'm not, don't get it wrong. I'm not knocking marching. I think that it does highlight problems that are going on in the world on that day. Totally get that. But it's almost like if you knew better, you do better. And I knew better. So I was like, go do something. I've always believed that finances are a lot of at the root of 
any any group any um, group of people that are having problems. You can you can trace it back to financially they are in the same boat. So I was I've always been a proponent of trying to circulate the black dollar more times because that's the only way you can create wealth in a community. How do you get that done in today's world? I made a call to Silicon Valley and my friend said that her text back was, this is going to be hard. And then luckily she had a dinner guest over a few days later, um, a guy who was very, very familiar with Google technology. And he said, tell your friend I'll do it and I'll do it for free. Oh, wow. This needs to be, because it would have cost me 50 grand just to get that prototype and it would have taken me much longer. But he was the one, um, Matt, who got the process rolling and said, don't go the way everyone else went. We're going to try this new direction. And then when he sent the prototype, that's when the people who are involved in technology, like one of my partners, Ikram, who's the guy who created Venmo, another friend of mine who was in at Airbnb in the early stages, that's when they saw the prototype and they were like, this is going to be way bigger than you think because you're going to be the first person ever to step into the arena. It's almost like going from a cab to Uber. Oh, I love this because I've just found, you know, I'm always complaining about in my neighborhood how it's the white businesses that are flourishing in Harlem because they are connected to the government and they're connected. They, they, they talk to people, you know, they get help uh, from politicians in slick ways that black owned businesses don't. So this is really good because now I can go to all of these businesses and support them. Yes. And there's a bunch of them. The only way these apps survive is if you share them. So if you look, okay. you see those, you see those three dots at the top nearby service. See those three dots next yeah. to that. Mm -hmm. Three dots, real quick, Marina. Yeah. Oh, okay. The top. Yeah. Yes. And then you see where it says share with friends, with contacts. Yes. Oh. So then you hit that. Now, once you share with ten contacts, there's a ten badge, there's a fifty badge, and a hundred badge. So we're asking everybody to get to their first badge and share it on their social media. I should, I should share it with my ex-boyfriend who I don't talk to anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Marina, just hit all contacts. <laughs> Yo, you know what? Nina, that's what I was trying to do. They yeah, won't it allow won't, it. It won't let you. It says only Oh, because it's considered spam. Yes. It won't allow it. So we, we, so the most we could do, right, was you could do up to 20, but we decided to do up to 10 because maybe 20 is too many for people. But all of that yelling and screaming and marching for hours and you can't share with 10 or 50 contacts. You're a fraud. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You just want to go out there and take a photo. Be like, look at me. I'm woke, everybody. And then you go home and be racist again. <laughs> and then go home and can't share something with 10 friends that will permanently help the black community. Yeah. Because now we're not talking about marching and yelling and screaming. We're talking about when you put your dollar in a register, you are moving those black businesses away from barely surviving. A lot of people don't know that 50% of black owned businesses went under during the pandemic. Mm. Oh, wow. Yeah, That's not, a big yeah. Every other black owned business permanently shut their doors during the pandemic. This is a way for us to fight back. All my white friends with guilt. That's who I'm sharing it with. So far, I've sent it to five white guilty folks. Yeah, not, not, not yelling and screaming, but finally doing something. You know what I mean? Because because let's be fair, we do have white friends that are like, yo, dude, I know this is wrong. You know this is wrong, but what do I do? And now you can actually do something. You don't have to sit around and call your black friends like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so embarrassed to be white. Uh-uh. You know what? Pick, stop on black for a week. Now you can actually make a difference. 
That's right. I love that. Thank you. $10,000. $10,000 a week. Now, did you explain how you got, what's that? Who, who giving you that? Where'd that come from? Did you explain that while I was dealing with other stuff or no? I don't want to make you repeat yourself. What do you mean? Where I'm getting the money yeah, from? Yeah, where'd that come from? Investors. I mean, oh, don't I get it twisted. No, don't get it twisted. Yeah, a startup is, you're, I'm always raising money. So that's what I'm going to be doing today, pitching people that have money. You know what I mean? So if y'all know anybody that got money, okay. tell them, uh, Blap needs your help. Yes. So our listeners need to know that. Yeah. That's the good fine. news is, though, I'm not just sitting around like, hey, I'm going to take your money and do this thing that. the other. I'm doing it. So they can go on the app store and be like, oh, he's not talking. This guy really put something together. They know where the money's going. Yeah. No one has to. No one has to guess. It's not some idea anymore. It's it's already helping black businesses. I just sent it to Greg Rogel, who probably will yell like you didn't answer the the fact that I told you that my car was underwater. Was <laughs> 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 you going to send me a black owned app? <laughs> like, sure. There's something something to make you feel better. But that, yes. that, that, that's some good news. Your app is a great excuse. Your app is a great excuse to like. Not like text an ex and instead of being like, hey, what's going on? How are you? Hey, you. Just like, oh, sorry. I didn't mean to send it to you. And then you start a conversation. Yeah, I just wanted to support Black-owned businesses. That's, that's yeah. you know. Sorry for cheating on you, but can you download this app? <laughs> hey, don't you say I didn't cheat on him. <laughs> I should have, though. I should have. I conversation starter. Oh, oh, this man. app is going to be great. <laughs> Yo, I really, I need you guys to, yeah, like I said, get that first batch and share it on your social media today. That's the only way that this thing's going to get out in the ecosystem. Yeah, we're definitely going to put it up for friends like us because we, we definitely want to support Black-owned businesses. And I feel like everyone's just overwhelmed right now and they don't know what to do. Sometimes just the smallest thing like this can make you feel better. I mean, there's, I was just saying this yesterday, there's so much bad news. <laughs> Even in a good, I was watching Rachel Ray, who's like, you know, during the day you got all this news, and Rachel Ray's like the the light part of the day of the of the. Is she? Well, she's like, she's just cook. She's just cooking. She's not talking yeah. about news. She's not talking about this. But even there's no, to it. there's no. But even in this climate, she herself can't help but get involved in. Her place burned down. So she was talking about tomatoes and she's like, well, I would love to bring more tomatoes, but her place burned down. I'm like, there's just no moment left where you could just have true escapism. Yeah, can I just tell you, I feel bad for Rachel Ray because you know I, my place burned down. I lost I everything. Oh my God, that's terrible. That's right. I, lost, I lost everything in a fire. So I know that feeling. That's right. And let me tell you, you feel very, very untethered when you lose everything. You don't you don't realize like how much your place, not the physical things, but the idea of going home. It doesn't matter where you are. So if you get off work as work is winding down, the idea that, oh, I'll be out of here and I can go home. Oh. Like, that is soothing in and of itself. But when you rip that home away. There, you never get a feeling of relief at the end of the day because you're going somewhere that's not your home. That's the craziest part. Not so much the stuff, but that you have no home anymore. You know what I mean? Home is I know where everything is in the bodega. You know what I mean? I know how the trains run. I know who's standing on the corner. I know which way to walk to my place. 
there's a lot more attached to it that people don't even realize until you have a fire. Then you have a fire and you're like, oh my God. And that was before people were putting things in like storage, like online. Right. When that happened to you, because like now more more than ever, I think people are trying to get rid of paper trails. You know what I mean? What do you mean paper trails? Like making sure everything that is important is on is in storage online. Like, oh, you know what I mean? Like taxes, like all all your really important paperwork, your Social Security card, your health card, you know, putting yeah. it like that's the thing that everyone's like, you know, store it somewhere safely. You know, now you got to worry about yeah. encryption. But, you know, the less paper you have, the less you have to worry about, like in a fire that yeah. that insurance because you have to get your driver's license, I'm assuming again. And you know what? I got lucky enough that that box of the stuff that you're talking about that was in this in this uh metal box in my house that was the only thing i think the fire department was standing in this corner spraying the room with the hoses and it didn't somehow that did not burn that was the one thing that i escaped with so my social security card my oh. i He's my passport. All of it was yes. That was the saving grace. Everything else, though, gone. There is a box that you can get that's fireproof, where you can yes. keep every. Yeah, that that was fireproof, or it was just because they were standing in the corner. I don't know if it was fireproof or not. It wasn't a metal box, but that was untouched. That was unscathed. And when they they asked me it when it was over with, right when the whole fire was over with, they were like, "Hey, ma'am." We're going to be honest with you. There's not much going on up there. But if you think you can find anything, now's the time to go check. So I go upstairs and I was in shock at how destroyed this place was because it's an electrical fire, which means they dig out the ceiling, the walls. So there's probably around three feet of just stuff on the floor, meaning the room is just buried in ceiling and wall. And there's so it's it's literally unrecognizable. Right. And, and then I see the box and I was like, oh, my God. And then the firemen are standing there. Right. And they said, oh, my God, you know, this fire was terrible. It looks like you had about, uh, you know, only two minutes left in here, maybe 90 seconds. Ooh. Right. One of the firemen is standing next to the other fireman, Right. And he slaps him on the shoulder. He said, you know, he didn't have two minutes. And he said, yeah, he didn't have two minutes. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> They were laughing about how much time I had to get out of there. And then they showed me why. And there was about this much room between where the fire had burned down the wall mm -hmm. and the bottom step connects inside the wall. And they said, once it catches that bottom step, the fire would have shot upstairs. Oh, my and I God. They were like, yeah, you know, he didn't have two minutes. And then they showed me, like, this is why you didn't have two minutes. You had about 90 seconds before this bottom step caught fire and then the fire shoots up. And it goes up seven times faster than it comes down. So he was like, you'd have been stuck. And the top floor would have started burning. Thank God you're alive. Thank God I wasn't drunk the night before. <laughs> you know, it's it's just like this is a time like even Nina, when she, she was supposed to be on last week's episode, but she was wa walking through flood water and she was just telling me, right, your sister's basement and everything. Yeah, my sister just bought her dream home just she they signed they closed they moved in they barely had furniture thank god the next day her entire house flooded and the damage is bad they just moved in two days before that where is this it's in richfield new jersey but like i would 
she was telling me that like it didn't flood because they the house has a pump it's the sewers around her house got clogged and the sewage water came up through like the the toilet and the sink and everything and and her entire house had like very dirty water and um they got professional cleaners but the i guess like the smell just seeped into the walls Mm. where her house smells like a porta potty so they have to like rip up the floors and like redo everything and they just moved in two days before that and they didn't put any furniture though some furniture upstairs but the water didn't get that high but the furniture smells there's and this is like like a thousand stories like this right now I, i i keep thinking about this like the privilege of me just walking around without this worry in my head i am thankful every day for that you know but i think about everyone right now with last week's flood like where they're at and and mentally it's just like like i said there's no break in this pandemic there's just no break there's always it's just endless you know and i i feel for your sister Hopefully, is she able to afford to, because I hear the insurance companies are, they're scandalous. Yeah, I mean, we don't feel too bad for her because her husband has money. So me and my other siblings, my, me and my other siblings were laughing like that rich bitch. <laughs> I did talk to someone who said. Crying for no reason. Yeah, I did talk to someone who said that to me. They, 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 they have to move. But they said, thankfully, they have the money to move. And that's how they're going to look at this. Yeah, that's why we were laughing at her. But she was just, it was more of like. She was like, I just moved. And it was like more of like annoying than like. An inconvenience. Super inconvenience. But like, I was like, shut up, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) John, I don't think you read this article, but climate change and health, which is really important. um, The United Nations Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. My my assistant, Chloe, put this in. Thank you very much, Chloe. I did. Thank you, Chloe. Yeah. Maybe yell at her. Oh, God. She's going to report me. I'm going to be like the Ella DeGeneres of podcasts. <laughs> no, I'll be, I'll be standing behind you and then I'll take the podium when you're done. Like, it was my fault. Oh, I feel so bad. Sorry, Chloe. I'm an innocent bystander. Chloe, you're a star. Look, I put your name out there. I gave you a shout out. So Chloe put this article in. It isn't important to know that climate change recently reported that the more frequent and intense climate disasters are the result of decades of inaction on climate change, which make conditions particularly dire for, get this, pregnant mothers and their babies around the globe. And these risks are increasingly apparent in the United States, particularly for women of color. On average, Black American, Black American Indian and Alaska Native mothers in the U.S. are two to three times more likely to die from pregnancy-related causes than white mothers, a a disparity caused by the compounding factors of segregation and climate disasters. In addition, black neighborhoods in urban areas are most likely to experience the worst impact of flooding. Native Americans are six times more likely than other groups to live in wildfire-prone areas, and homes in neighborhoods of color are less likely to be well-ventilated or heated and are less likely to have ready access to the emergency service and health care. So, yeah, in the face of these these threats, the U.S. policymakers need to take urgent action to address the climate change and maternal health crisis and the racial inequalities that run through them. Or inequities, not, well, inequities, inequality. Yeah. And if that doesn't remind you to shop on Black, nothing will. <laughs> Bring it 
just bringing it black. You yes. brought it black full circle. Yes. And if that don't make you, if that don't remind you to shop on black, nothing will. Um, no, you know what's so funny? Some of the stuff that you mentioned was um, part of my major in college, which is kind of what led me to black. So my major was um, economics with an emphasis in poverty. So it was, you know, it became microeconomics. But the more that I studied it, the more that I was like, oh, I see what's going on here. You know, these people's dollars aren't circulating. And I know that this is going to sound blasphemous. I always said that I would never say this in public, but I'm about to do it because it's friends like us. It was integration that stopped that circulation. A lot of people don't realize that like the the um, the Tulsa riots, right? What that was about was the circulation of that black dollar. Those black people were that's why they called it Black Wall Street. They had segregated them, but black people had realized, you know what? They segregated us. Cool. Let's have our own grocery stores. And that dollar keeps circulating. Eventually, people start to get wealthy. That's what that was about. It wasn't about anything else. It was as was the bus boycotts. A lot of people think that all of a sudden white people were like, oh, my God, let's be nice and let them back on the bus. No, black people had started driving one another and started a system of, hey, we'll give you two cents per person in the car. And they started having their own transportation system outside of the bus, which is what the dollar man is that goes up and down Flatbush in Brooklyn. That was the problem. When, Mal when Martin started talking about the black dollar and white people being in the same financial situation, that's when they killed him. Not when he said, turn the other cheek. When he started talking about the dollar, if you think that this thing is going to pop off and these motherfuckers ain't going to come for me, you are out of your rabbit ass mind. It's always about the dollar, right? Brace yourself. You're damn right. And if you um, can build up your community economically, a lot of that other stuff goes by the wayside. They will respect you. You will not have to put up with the disrespect. You could be like, yeah, I hear you, you know, talking all that Trump shit. You do that in your um. Yeah, you could do that in your trailer because <laughs> I have a 10 bedroom house. So it bounced right off me, bro. Yeah, that's yeah. I guess that's the thing. It's like they're like, oh, wait a minute. We don't want them to prosper. Where do you spend your money? We need their money, right? Yeah. But imagine living in a capitalist society and protesting outside of people's business. It's like you're not even speaking their language until you start talking about money until you start talking about green, you are wasting everybody's time. I'll give you another example. There was a football team, these black women on campus in Missouri who keep complaining, keep complaining, keep complaining. We're being treated like shit. They're talking to us crazy on campus. They keep filing these complaints. One of them happens to be the football quarterback's girlfriend. She's distraught. He says, I'm tired of this. I'm not playing on Saturday. They fired the president of the university. Google it. Wow. They understand that money. They understand that yeah. all that all bothering me. Let's protest. You speak in the wrong language. Get to the dollar. Yeah. When you understand that they speak capitalism and you out here speaking protest, well, protest on motherfucker. As long as you don't affect my bottom line, affect their bottom line. Start, um, start a, 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 a car service instead of getting on that bus. I like that T-shirt affect their bottom line. Then the, yes. Can you tag your your app with that? You know what? Good question. Because I was thinking, um, affect their bottom line. Here's here's the two that I put online the other day. 
Black because it feels good, right? Because it feels good to shop when you're um, supporting Black businesses. And the other one was change at your fingertips. Which one of those three do y'all like? Affect your bottom line. (laughs) (laughs) Maria's going to stick to her initial opinion. (laughs) You're not going to change your mind. What I picked. (laughs) Oh, man. I'm so proud of you, John. That's awesome. That's amazing. That really is. Thank you. I need you guys' help, though, spreading the word. It's not going to do any good. No, I'm definitely going to send it to 10 friends. None of them are any of my exes, but I'm sending it to 10 friends. Yes, we need, yeah, we, we need to get this black challenge going. But so let me hey, ask I'm- you the, the app I just downloaded, let's say on Apple, right? Apple podcasts or not Apple podcasts on iTunes, I should say. On the app store. How much do you have to pay? Did anyone ask you this yet? Do you have to pay? Cause I just saw an article about them kind of fixing their contract agreements with app designers and creators. Well, the, for the app store, it, the bill wasn't that much. The my I'm taking the hit from. I told you guys that we are using Google technology, so that's where I'm getting. I'm getting hit over the head. Google, Google, if you're listening, call your boy. Let's uh, let's strike a deal. That's where I'm taking a beating. Yeah, um, but 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 it'll 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 be a short term beating because the the way that it that the bills accrue, it's as they display these places. After the places are displayed, I don't get bill the second time. So if they're like, let's say you just opened it up in, in where you are, Marina, mm-hmm. and they put all those businesses on display in Harlem, I would be charged for that, but only once. So right now, of course, someone's opened it in Harlem, but let's say someone opens it in Oregon mm-hmm. next week, because we just started promoting right now on this show, right? You got to figure, we know a lot of comedians. There's going to be a lot of people from here in the next uh, three to four weeks, there's going to be tens of millions of people that see this. Some of those corners in London, in Toronto, and some of those other places when people start opening up, because it works around the world, I'm going to have to pay for those uh, identifications the f- for the first time. And then then the app has artificial intelligence based into it, so it'll cache those so that we don't have to keep paying for them every time someone opens it up. But that first time, I'm going to get I'm going to get hit. Now, oh, okay. So now, where do we get to a point where the person you're putting your app on is black. You know what I mean? Like iTunes is white. Google's white. I think that's what I think we're a, a long way off because I don't know any. I mean, in, unless you know someplace else that has all of that data other than Google. And I don't know. I don't know where we would where we could where a we? black situation that has that global information. In, yeah, information cache. I don't. I don't know one. That's what I'm waiting for. Because like, I see these. I know I'm talking about something different, but I keep seeing these things that we put on platforms and where we make our money. We make a lot of money off of these platforms. It's really good. Um, but then at the same time, we get into situations where we still encounter like racism and bias and bots and like i'm looking at this is separate right but i'm looking at this twitch story where twitch loses thousands of viewers um black queer and disabled streamers led a one-day boycott of twitch causing the platform to lose about four hundred thousand users the boycott's intention was to bring attention to the harassment that marginalized streamers face on the platform not necessarily to impact Twitch's financials, although it was the second worst viewership day in a month for the platform. One of the Twitch's key features is that it allows for the streamers to raid other streams. 
but this has led users to create hate raids using bots and fake accounts to flood the chats of marginalized users with hateful messages. These marginalized users cite the ability to disable raids um, or choose individual creator pages to block raids from happening as key improvements that Twitch could make. And these features are already available on Facebook. So I guess what I'm saying is like, there's, it's, it's just amazing. It's like, you just, you just be going about your trying to do what you want to do. And these people still have time to come in with hate. The energy that is spent on hate must be must there must be a bottom line there <laughs> yeah but you you got to figure that a lot of the two parties in the country is that think about this i'll to to, to give you a, a really quick example the platform for the republican party in 2020 right so every year the the, the democrats come and they say hey we want to give you guys better health care we want to raise the minimum wage um, we want to stop checking, uh, allowing people to to interrogate prisoners, right? So everyone comes with their platform. The Republican Party always has the same platform. We want to lower taxes. We want to create more jobs. We want. To, do you know what the Republican Party's platform for 2020 was? We don't know. They didn't have one. Yeah. They literally didn't even scribble something down on a napkin because you know what their platform is. You don't want them to get nothing, do you? They literally didn't even tell their people anything. And you know what? And their people were fine with it. Well, no, they, they also rock with the anti-abortion thing, which is not really. They didn't even come with that. They didn't? They did. That was not part of the 2020 Republican platform. Isn't it running in the background all the time? It's always running in the background, but I'm just saying the idea that a party didn't even take time anymore. They don't even pretend anymore. Most of what our platform is, is not them. So this idea of hate, of making sure that your whole focus is on other, is, it's been going on since the beginning of the two parties. So you missed out on the other article then. You would have loved this. When you, when you get a chance, look at the email we sent you with this article because it says, it's an op-ed piece. I, I rarely try to use op-ed pieces because it's an opinion. It's not like, you know. But this is good. Southern Republicans cannot be trusted. It should have stopped there, but it goes on. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the whole piece. <laughs> yeah. Just the title. <laughs> Southern Republicans cannot be trusted with public health. The South is currently dealing with a multitude of public health emergencies such as COVID, abortion rights, gun control, and Hurricane Ida with controversial solutions. For example, instead of taking concrete measures to limit climate change, there was an initiative to send up prayers for rescue workers. In Tennessee, the governor signed a new permitless carry bill, permitless carry, gun carry, like a gun in a ceremony at a gun factory. Tennessee also had the highest COVID case rate in the country for a few days last week before it was overtaken by South Carolina, another Southern state. And the state seems to have no intention of reversing their course of action. There are groups fighting against these measures, but the elected officials are pushing back. 
The Office for Civil Rights at the Department of Education is investigating a Tennessee executive order allowing parents to opt out of school mask mandates, which is a good first step in the right direction, but the South is still far behind where it should be in making... Wait, I didn't read that right. I don't think. (laughs) I didn't read that. Wait, let me read that again. Wait, the Office for Civil Rights at the Department of Education is investigating a Tennessee executive order allowing parents to opt out. Oh, they're investigating it, which is a good first step in the right direction. But the South is still far behind where it should be and making it city safe for residents. Yeah, so it's like, and then like we've got this Texas. I mean, Nina, like how did you, how did you feel when you heard that? Because you're still young and you can still produce. I can't. I don't want to produce, so I wasn't that mad. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. Um, it's just fucking crazy how they, all they do is like talk about how like the Middle East is repressive and this and that and women don't have rights. But it's like, do y'all not see your Republican senators and the things that they say? They're worse than these like Islamic countries and stuff. Like, it's just crazy how people still don't realize like I'm kind of a conspiracy. Not, not too much. I don't like think the Holocaust never happened and those like crazy motherfuckers, but like things like places in the South where they want to control women. I don't think it's a war on women. I think it's a war on, they want to continue like generational poverty for like black communities and other communities of color. Um, I, that's why, that's what I think. It, I, like you said, I think it's all about money and that's why they want to make abortion illegal. I don't think they care about women or they care about, fetuses they don't even care about refugees and kids that are already alive you think they're going to care about unborn children i think it's a i don't think it's a religious thing i think it's all about the dollar sign and how they want to continue the like the generational like poverty here's the problem is they're poor white people are poor every time these articles come out by the way about the disparity amongst black women and and how this is going to affect poor black women which is true or poor people of color it's true right the problem with these articles is they're not showing that white people white people are going to be just as affected white women are going to be just as affected because what white people do i mean i i don't i'm not white but i i tend to know what they do they're going to read this article and they go oh this has nothing to do with me yeah, but again, I think I think that there's a historical like component, like because you're 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 trying to have a rational argument about this, Marina. You know what I mean? Because you're saying, oh, there's also it's like the, white- the birth of the Black Panther movement was to show right that white people you just as poor, and that's when they shot Martin Luther King. That's when he exactly what that that intersection is exactly when they were like, oh, now you stepped over the line and shot him and killed him. That's what all of his last speeches were about, that the poor white man and the poor black man um, in in the labor movement were in the same place. You guys have, are part of the same struggle. That's when they killed him. But the, I feel like the poor white man is still so supportive of like their oppressors though. I don't understand why because they are believing in this myth that they're going to thrive because this is it's what John was saying is like, this is what this, this is not a conspiracy to believe that this is what they want poor white people to believe that they have right. a way out. 
But that's but that goes back to the very beginning of time. And I, I always quote the Lyndon B. Johnson thing where he said, if you can convince the lowest white man that he's better than the best black man, you can pick his pocket all day long. Yes. I finally got that quote right, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. If you can convince the lowest white man he's better than the best colored man, he won't notice you're picking his pocket. Hell, give him somebody to look down on and he'll empty his pockets for you. And the, and the Republican, the Republican power brokers since way back then, those guys always knew that if we sell these poor white people, at least you're not them. Do you want that caravan in here? Do you want black people knowing their right? Do you want them to be able to vote? Or did something foul happen? You don't want them passing you. Do you want them to have the same shot you want? Don't you still want to have a head start when you walk into that interview? That's what they're selling them. That's what they're selling those poor white people. Because if those poor white people voted in their best interest, then what, what need would they ever have for Tucker Carlson? Donald Trump would rather be at a 50 cent birthday party than at a Cracker Barrel in Ohio with them. So you got to tell them you don't don't let them pass, you though. you know, you ain't got shit. But if you let them get something, let them get going. What will you have? You won't have anything left. Jimmy the Greek, that famous announcer, got fired, not because he said they said he said that black people had been bred for 400 years. It was a big explosion in sports years ago. And he said pretty soon black people are going to kind of get it together and they're going to start moving up into the ownership ranks of sports. This is what this is how he ended the sentence. Mm. What we have then? That's what they fired him for. They pretended that they fired him because he said that we had been bred together and that's why we were superior athletes. And they tried to bring the argument, oh, you can't be saying people are superior athletes. Um, that's offensive to black people. That's not what they fired him for, though. What they fired him for was he said the, the quiet part out loud. If they get their money right, what will we have left? And you're never supposed to say that part out loud. What you're supposed to say is we're conservative. We believe in our freedom. We believe in states' rights. You're so right, John. What they say, they don't want to say it out loud. They never want to say these things out loud. But that's 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 my thing with the media right now, right? Is there's a barrage. I think we've been inundated with stories about the disparities amongst black women and what ha these things are necessary. Um, this is necessary information for data for doctors. But I'm always skeptical of the amount of articles that focus on this because I don't see. I don't think it's for us, let's say. I think it's for white people to go. Uh, you know, it's just like like covid. When they said black people were dying from this more than white people were dying, white people were like, oh, OK, so I can't get it. Okay, so now let's politicize it and not wear a mask because black people are getting it. Let's go out and kill some black. Let's let's. Go. You see what I'm where I'm going? I know I'm going in a weird direction about this. What I'm saying is I'm so tired of them talking about like, you know, black people are gonna die from this because white people just don't care. It's not it's not gonna affect change when you put articles out about the dis climate change is gonna affect poor black mothers. Abortion is gonna affect poor black mothers. Because I know how white people hear those articles. Oh, well, then I ain't got to worry about it. In all fairness, I think that 
people in general, if you're talking about something that's not going to affect them directly, I couldn't agree with you more. Here's where I think the, the Democrats have screwed up forever, Marina, in terms of climate change. I think that if Democrats were smart, the way that they would frame climate change is say that you are going to be having. Yeah, we did it. We did it. Hey, we, we did, did it. We did it. it. <laughs> we did it. Woo, what's up? We were talking about climate change. <laughs> what, a, what an interesting conversation to jump into. Marina says that it's not a compelling argument when you tell them that people of color are affected by it because then they can, it's easier for them to wave it off. But I, I don't know that that's a, a white or a black thing, but I agree with you. I've always thought that climate change should be coupled with immigration, meaning as the climate warms, you're going to have mass populations of people moving away from the equator. So I've always thought there was a more compelling argument to say, to equate climate change with more immigration to wherever it is that you live, white people. So you might want to get this right to keep these people of color from running north. The climate change is already affecting a lot of places in Mexico. And that's why a lot of those people who've come across the border said our crops, our crop areas are drying up and they don't, that's underreported. But I think that is a more compelling argument and a true argument. It's not just a scare tactic. It's a real thing. Mm -hmm. As these places dry up and the water rises on a lot of coastlines um, around the world, people move. You got to go somewhere. You can't stay there. You know what I mean? So I think that the, 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 um, the immigration thing that people are going to be taken off from where they live from and they're going to show up at your doorstep if you don't fucking. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. That's going to work. It's true. You're going to have mass population movements. I think that is a true argument and it's more compelling to people who are just sitting there saying it doesn't affect me. Yeah, it is. Motherfucker, your neighborhood going to get browner in the next <laughs> with, the, with the next few hurricanes and the next few fires, too. So you might want to uh, pay attention, motherfucker, because it's going to be some niggas at your doorstep. Froze. Seriously, though, with this, this, the floods and everything that happened in New York last week. The emergency system. How is it that I knew more than the average? Per like, okay, like I've always been ahead of things, and this is where I, 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 right, John? Am I not always? I've been right. If you listen to my podcast, anyone who listens knows I have been right this entire time. <laughs> but I called in. I did not go to work that day. I was hosting the show, so I know it for a fact. I was like, nope. I told Liz. I said, no, not coming in. I saw the trees. I said, that tree is moving just a little bit too much for me. Yeah, some people got stuck at the cellar all night. Oh, I was there till. Oh, you were there? <laughs> I was up in there till. Yo, and, 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 and with the Uber thing, no cars. No, no cars. cars. Yeah. No car. Yeah, till four. I was there till 410 or something. It's just. Yeah, I stayed in Jersey that day. The common sense, man. I just kind of knew. I mean, but I, I will say I was also lucky that I, I called it that night because there was a little bit of you don't want to cancel because there's a mentality of going back to work and making sure you do your job and you show up and, you know, you're you're a hero, you're a trudging, you want to work. But something told me after I saw that video of the subway flooding the week before, I was like, I never want to be in the subway. <laughs> That's the worst flood water. Did you see the rat swimming? In the water, in the floodwaters, 
It was like doing like a twirl. They were having fun. <laughs> I was just like, I mean, I don't know. Did your sister call you like right away when the rain was bad? How, how, when did you find out that? All no, that- my sister called me. It's so funny that you asked that because my sister never calls me. I'm always calling her because I'm the well, older. You know, whose sister's house got wrecked. Well, oh, wait. Oh, oh, Nina, you were talking about Nina? Her sister's house is the one that got ruined, but go ahead. Tell us what happened with oh, your sister. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were talking to me. I'm, I'm like all over the place because I want to make. <laughs> I want to make sure the young gentleman gets on. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Dina. (laughs) (laughs) She was just writing in the family group chat, broken heart emojis and sending us pictures writing buy a house. They said it'll be fun. They said, and then sending us pictures of like shit all over the floor, like literal because the water was so dirty. At least she had a sense of humor. Um, she was like, buy a house, they said. I was like, bitch, shut the fuck up. Like, she was like complaining because some of her stuff in the basement got ruined. And I was like, one of those outfits was mine. I should be complaining. I'm, I don't have a rich husband. <laughs> cause, um, I put, cause we go to a lot of weddings. We have a huge family. So I have a lot of like dresses and stuff and I have a small apartment. So I would always put them in, in her like basement or her attic or whatever. So all of our stuff was in her basement. They got destroyed. I was like, I care more about my dresses than your walls. <laughs> you could pay to fix your walls. I can't get my gowns back. Oh, yeah. your gowns. You do. You know, when you text that to me about your gowns were ruined, I was like, I texted Marina. I'm like, my dresses got ruined. I was so stuck on gowns. I was crying. Oh, really? And I and I, I get them custom made. Like I buy the material myself. I put a lot of time in them. They do have to work on that emergency system. Listen, I hate to quote Will Sylvins. I hate to, but he is right when he did that weatherman joke. When he says the weatherman spends so much time with all this stuff, I remember looking at them. I said, "Could you, motherfucker, get to the point? Do I need to stay home?" Yes. <laughs> That's Seriously. it. No yeah. one said stay home. Right. No, it was way past the time when they said stay home. And I, I, I know I'm going to be, well, I probably We should. needed Andrew Cuomo. He would have shut things down. I was about to say it. You know, it's unpopular view, but Cuomo would have been saying stay your ass home. And can I just tell you that, that the car, you know, leaving the cellar, so it's four something in the morning, right? That was $85. Everybody doesn't have $85 to go home. No. So it wasn't like I got home in some reasonable situation. Everybody don't have 85. I don't know if you had to wait for the train, what time you would have really been able to get to Brooklyn. That might've been a whole different day. I left it for something. It was completely dry. The streets, it looked like there had been some shower outside, but there were no pools of water, but it still was 80 something dollars. You paid 80 something dollars. Wow. Yeah. I would have biked my ass home. Uh, You can't, you couldn't, you would have been swimming and bike. You can't bike and. And the Uber drivers, their car's going to get ruined. It's like, it's crazy. Um, so Flutter alerts, Hurricane Ida's heavy rains brought a torrent, torrent, I can't read, of cell phone alerts throughout the duration of the storm. The constant stream of flood warnings and pulsing messages p- prompted many to wonder if the information was too overwhelming to have a positive impact. As experts call this concept warning fatigue. And it may contribute to the overall fatalities in the storm. The warning system was revamped as recently as last year to attempt to limit overusing the messages. This system also deals with, you know, Amber Alerts, 
terrorist threats. So Erwin Redliner of the National Center for Disaster Preparedness at the Columbia University believes that a plan should be sent out with the warnings. Otherwise, the people won't know how to react to the warnings. So you have to have a plan with it. Like, stay your ass at home. <laughs> I think stay your ass at home works. No, I think Artie took his G-Wagon to the cellar that night. I mean, you- I'm like, you're crazy. He... He, you know what? I remember when they walked out, him and Cypher, because they was like, nah, we just going to, you know, take our chance. You call him Cypher as a Cypher. Cypher. (laughs) Cypher. Yeah, it's not Cypher. You say it so white. You say it like I say it. Yeah, you know, it's so hard. R, it's Cypher. So let's, let's go to our guest that's. We've been waiting for you. It's so funny. It's 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 not your fault. It's a it's a platform that is has a lot of megahertz. It's got the best sound quality, but it is not friendly when it comes to like people joining for the first time, you know, on this platform because it's the megahertz are so high. So don't stress. Okay. We Happen love the fact that you're here. Yeah, it looked at me like I was crazy. Told me, go ahead and go back. You ain't going to get in like that. So you're going to redo this over again, baby. You know, it ain't going to be easy. Yeah. Now we see you're kind of freezing and stuff, but it's okay. We'll we'll get through it. We'll figure it out. Oh, yikes. I'm still freezing? Jesus No, but we, we, we heard you say that. We heard you say that. Oh, okay. Okay, awesome. I was going to say, <laughs> after all of that, you would think at least a nice run after this, Malong. You know? <laughs> but we're I'm just so excited to have you and that you even wanted to come on. I mean, you know, we're big deals too. Absolutely. <laughs> Joke, I'm joking. But, uh, Nina's like But you <laughs> I just want to make sure I say your name right. Uyothe? Uyo Uyota. 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 Yes, beautiful. it means voice of God. I know I looked that up. I was like, "Oh my god, just keep talking, God." <laughs> speak on him, Lord. Speak on him. <laughs> I want to congratulate you. Uyotha. I want to congratulate you. And the, and do they call you is it Uyotha Udi? Uyota Udi. Uyota Udi. Yes. Uyota Udi. I love that. My sister had a middle her middle name was Nigerian. It was Oliani. You said it was Ni- it was or it still is. Well, she passed. She passed. Oh, I'm so sorry um, to hear that. But her middle name was beautiful, Oliani, Nigerian. That's beautiful. It's Yoruba, I think. Hmm. It's Yoruba. It's from the Yoruba tribe. I believe her name is from the Yoruba tribe. Yeah, I love it. I love Nigerian names. Nigerian names do give people pause, though. They're like, okay, want to get it? I want to get it right. Well, there's so much to unpack with just a name. I mean. I think that it's so interesting. If you go back, I was working on a show called This Is Us. So I was doing a lot of research on the Black Panther era and the 70s and the, the late 60s. And people really were about change to the point, especially Black men and women during that time. They were about change to the point where they were really on a search and on a hunt to find their truest identity. And it started with their names. So many people during that time were changing their names. That was a thing. That was a thing. You 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 did research Pan Africanism and Afrocentricism. You did research and you found what linked to you and what you connected to, and that's what you were called by. To this day, some people's names you never know who you're, what you're really calling people. It's definitely not their birth names that are of that era. And so, I think that the Nigerian culture. 
allows for people to gain an understanding of the meaning behind someone's name and the power that has that uh, influence that it has, the the longevity that it speaks to. There's nobody named Obama that we know. We can't be like, oh, that's another Obama. It's so powerful. It's so unique. Uh, and it has a, it, there's meaning behind that too as well. So I think that, yeah, I think it's it's truly important. Well, I have some Nigerian blood in me, thank God. I, and, on, you know, there's, there, there is, I did my 23 of me. Yes, <laughs> yes. So I have at least, I have a, l- a little over 20% Nigerian. I, I told Gina Yashere that. I don't know if you know uh, yes, Gina Yashere. absolutely. Bob uh, Hart's Avishola, killer. Yes, yeah. yes. And, you know, like Nigerians are like the most, let's see, what is, I have, I, I was sent this when I figured out that I was Nigerian. I was sent an article about, Nigerians are the most successful ethnic group in the U.S. And it may, it may surprise many, but they are. Mm-hmm. Today, 61% of Nigerian Americans over the age of 25 hold a graduate degree compared to 32% for the U.S.-born population, according to the Migration Policy Institute. I wonder if that article was like, let's stop them. <laughs> you know, yeah. I was just talking about how the media's intentions. Yeah, um, yeah. Among Nigerian American professionals, 45% work in education services. The 2016 American Community Survey found, and many are professors at top Mm -hmm. universities. Nigerians Mm -hmm. are entering the medical field in the U.S. at an increased rate, leaving their home country to work in American hospitals where they can earn more and work in better facilities. And a, a growing number of Nigerian Americans are becoming entrepreneurs and CEOs, building tech companies. So how did your family respond to you wanting to be an actor? Because you've done off, you've done Broadway, off Broadway. This is your, I mean, your, your talent, you're getting work. So they should be happy. But were they always supportive? My mother was a performer. So she was of that arts culture and it just it, the, it goes so far deep my, on my dad's side my aunt is a dancer who traveled before my mom even got to the US she traveled to the US before her on tour as a dancer and she was touring the United States with a dance troupe um, and this was during the time of Fela Kuti and um, Sunny Ade when they were at their prime it it's for, my mom made it easier for me to transcend into this art world because I, I started when I was three. I was dancing in her dance troupe company and I was singing at church. So it was easier to, to, to transition, to transition over. Okay. However, <laughs> my pops, my dad, he said, Uyota, you will go to school. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, and there was, it was such, they're not joking because there's a standard that is sort of a unspoken thing in Nigeria that you just go to school. It's just a standard. It's not, it's not a conversation. It's not this thing of, of, oh, well, should I, or should I not? I mean, at the time that I was growing up. And so I went to school, I just went to school for the arts (laughs) and I went to the university of the arts and my parents, after my first, my parents have always been supportive, but I have uncles and aunts that were questionable. You know, they were like, what the hell are you doing? This, (laughs) This is not a career because it's just not typical. They don't, really necessary to see the benefit 
in someone having to struggle, which you do as an artist, but not all artists should or have to go through a struggling artist mentality in order to make it. But yeah, there is a, it's a difficult. So they don't, they didn't see the security behind being in the arts. However, I had mentors that were so incredible. My mentor, Karen McDonald, who stands as a pillar for me of someone who has worked in the arts continuously and made a great career out of it, who's now the director of the Debbie Allen Dance Academy. And I mean, her list goes on of just amazing amazing success. And, you know, when you see that, there's hope. Um, When you see Wu-Tang Clan, there's hope. (laughs) <laughs> because you understand that, oh, these pe- these different artists have made it a career, have made it into something bigger than themselves. And so my parents got, they they were okay. They were supportive. My, uh, I had to, you know, get my other family on board, which is a little difficult, <laughs> have some sit downs with my cousins and whatnot. But uh, yeah, my family was supportive. I also like to point out that they're doing and giving their best. They're giving their best idea of what it is success is. And so if somebody is telling you, you should be a doctor because they think that's the best opportunity for you, it's not to take it and be insulted by it. It's to take it and appreciate that for what it is. It may not be for you, but it's great information coming from love being that they want you to have and only have the best. So I I really, it took time to get to that place because you get frustrated. It's like, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, my cousin just reminded me today. She said, do you remember when you were jumping out of the taxis and running to the, to get to class? (laughs) And I was like, wow, dang, the struggle was real because yeah, I forgot. I, I sort of forgot that. And so no one sees the struggle. No one sees the hard times. Everybody celebrates with you when you make it. But nobody knows how you got there. And uh, after a while, my parents continued to support me and my cousins and my uncles, and they spoke to them. And it just became a whole support system. Even now, everyone's like, my phone is blowing up. My emails are coming through. People in Nigeria, my cousins are putting on shows in hopes of me seeing They're going, buy me a house. (laughs) Yeah, they are. And there's a wife there and a, and a chef and everything you need. Come and move here. Like, it's a whole thing. Yeah, they're, they're excited. They're excited. And, and, it's, and it's honestly, it's an honor to be the hope for them. I love the way you, you put all of this. I, now I see why you are where you are because you're amazing. Like just listening to you and I'm just meeting you for the first time. Like usually I talk to guests before they come on the show, but like your energy is just so wonderful. And, and, and you're young too. I mean, I'm, I don't know. You look young to me. So I'm thinking like the way you put all of that, it took me a long time to get to that place where I could understand where my relatives were coming from when they would say, why aren't you doing this? It took me a much longer time to process that. So thank you for that, saying that. I just figured that out in eighth. So uh, (laughs) you know what, for you to to have wrapped that all up, especially the part about people, you know, that that people who are telling you they're giving you their best, you know, they're doing the best they can. That's what they knew. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, So yeah, that's a, that. And that is that to, to, to put that in perspective like that. That's awesome. Thank you. So you're playing Jason Richard Hunter, also known as Inspector Zach, who was formerly played by rapper Joey Bad. Um, you know, I'm I, I, I disclaimer here. I am not a hip hop. <laughs> 
I'm a house head. Um, Marina. Oh, um, okay. Come on, Black Coffee. Okay. Yes. I love I, it. Yes, Black Coffee. Yes, Frankie Knuckles. I, um, yes, Ron yes, Hardy. Frankie, okay. Yes, Lil Lewis. Yes, okay, Chicago. Okay, so I'm sitting up a little bit. I'm I'm okay. So I'm, I'm a big house. You. I saw your dance moves. I saw. I saw. It. <laughs> I, I I you know I saw it. I saw. It. I loved it. Um, I've been trying to get that little leg action move that oh, you were doing you. in your Instagram. You, yes. Once I, once I, I once I see you, we have to get to the resort. Oh, I was just trying to practice. It's it's called Guada Guada, and it's so it's so amazing the impact that Africa now has and has always had, but now it's highlighted, um, and it's incredible to see Americans of all from every type of ethnic group, ethnic ethnic background. They don't. It's no longer a care of is this my culture? It's just everyone is embracing, whether they know it or not, they're embracing it. And it's, it's incredible. I mean, South African steps that are created in schools, you know, and, and, and they're, they're just doing it in South Africa and it's, t- it's, it's across the whole world. So that's. Oh, house heads are eating it up. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> so tell me about this. Like, cause, um, John, are you a Wu-Tang now? I, okay. So two, maybe like two, I used to date a white guy two whites ago. So he was like, <laughs> didn't know much about the black experience, but he could tell you all about Wu-Tang Clan. I mean, there's a lot of education. Wu-Tang Clan educated white boys, like they are diehard Wu-Tang Clans. Um, so I learned a lot. I learned a little bit about Wu-Tang through him. And then I started watching this series actually last night. I love it. The first episode I watched on Hulu and a lot of the actors in it, by the way, in the first episode, I knew from Syracuse stage when I did theater there. Oh, These are awesome. exceptional actors. I mean, this is like the creme de la creme of actors. So take me through what it was like to audition, get the role. Yeah, I happened so fast. Um, it all, when I think back on that, on that moment, Kim, Kim Coleman was the casting director and I had been auditioning for Kim Coleman. I think I had like four or five auditions. Like, and and I just to just to highlight on the actor, actors work tremendously hard. You know, it's you are going in, in rejection after rejection after rejection. But that's the word that is so. It's it's just there's no use in that word. There's no there's nothing. That word does not signify anything because it's not really a rejection. Because Kim Coleman remembered me. And so when she remembered me, she remembered me for this. And then she, my manager reached out four months in and she said, hey, just to let you know, keep him on the radar. She said, absolutely. Reaches back out to me, says, hey, we have this project. So finally I did the audition and I got booked in one day. I think I got booked. Yeah. So they confirmed me in the afternoon. I got the call. You have the job. And that night they were flying me out. to the East Coast to get ready for a shoot in about three to four days with Dave East. And that was the first, that's how it, it just was so fast. It was so fast. So my God, I would have had to stop smoking weed that night. Cause you know what the thing (laughs) is, is when you, when you have to remember, remember lines, right? Mm -hmm. Like when I smoke weed, I gotta, I gotta start. I got to stop soon. Uh, (laughs) Sorry, I didn't mean to make that about me. No, no, I I can't. I love it. So we got dance on the list. I'm just thinking about how fast you had to go out there. (laughs) But but, but that kind of goes to the point of stay ready so you don't have to get ready. That's right. 
And I know that your brother's saying it, that it happened so fast, but it doesn't. There was a lot of work that led up to you being prepared for it to mm-hmm. transpire that mm-hmm. way. This is what, you know, a lot of times people are like, oh, yeah, like you were some overnight, really? <laughs> Do you remember all them other nights? Yeah, she remembered you because of how many times you auditioned for other things before right. that. So it really wasn't that right. fast. And came in there prepared and did a good job. That's the only reason she remembered Right. You, you know what I mean? So it really, it's not, it, it's seemingly fast. You know, sometimes it's like, oh, yeah, it happened real quick. I came in, but, but, but. But there were so many other times that you walk out of there, you know, until you frame it the way you did, that these people are getting to see you. Because, you know, in the beginning, you're walking out of there with your with your tail between your legs until you, you know, get into the right mindset of I'm going to put my best work on display so that when something does come from that's ready, that works for me, they the first thing that they think is call John. Because that's the way I approach my auditions. Now, were you guys voting? Nina, did you? Um, I always knew that there was a something called Wu-Tang Clan because the t-shirts were just everywhere since I was a kid. Um, And then I got older and I started hanging out with people who were like music heads. And then I actually got to see Wu-Tang perform like two weeks ago at uh, Blue Note across the street from the cellar. Really? Yeah. And um, I was just fucking around because this guy kept shouting, Wu-Tang is the best band ever. And I'm like, have you heard of NSYNC? Um, (laughs) (laughs) I was just being Um, being ready. Yeah, NSYNC, you can't put NSYNC next to me. No, I was just trying to bother him. That's that's, that's the thing. And then my friend who was performing with them texted me and was like, shut the fuck up. Oh, that's so funny. I was like, I'm just being annoying. Um, But he was really nice. He, it was an amazing show. I, I don't like, have their music downloaded or anything, but I did after that night because I was like, oh wow, no wonder they're so famous. <laughs> um it was a great show. Um but I'm just like you Marina, I'm not really into like hip hop like that. Um I just have a lot of rapper friends. I don't know why. I do I like Wu Tang though. I will say that. The, the, like Wu Tang when I listen to Wu Tang is like modern day Shakespearean poets. Yeah. I mean the 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 lyrics the is just nothing to fuck with seriously. So like when I when I listened to Wu-Tang with my ex, I was like, I've missed out on a whole culture of music that is brilliant, really brilliant. But go ahead, John. What are you about to say? Oh, no, I was just going to say, you know, when you ask, I don't know, like I I am familiar and I love um, lots of Wu-Tang joints. But I don't know. I'm from the West Coast. So we we came up on that West Coast gangbang music. You know what I mean? You know, it was E-40 and the click. It was, yeah, it was real West Side. You know what I mean? MC, UGK. So I came up on that. Um, not so much East Coast music. But then when I moved to New York, I gained a huge appreciation for Wu-Tang. And then on Last OG with Tracy, you know, um, Method Man is on there. It's on, on Last OG. So I was working with this guy for like a season. And then we got cool. And then, of course, we're listening to more Wu-Tang on set. And gained a bigger appreciation for it, and 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 that dude is so talented and so cool um, that yeah, I gained a, a, a bigger appreciation later on, but probably not in their heyday. I was still listening to that to uh, a lot of a lot of crip walking music. <laughs> we have Marina with the Guada Guada, and now we have the crip walk going on. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I, I, I think- but is dope. Do you feel like there are big shoes to fill playing the character? Like, did you have, were you a fan of Wu-Tang before? And Definitely a fan. I was growing, when I was growing up, my cousins were really invested. Like, I mean, 
cassette tapes, CD, like anything they could get their hands on. So for me, it was always, I knew I shouldn't have been, it wasn't something that my, I'm sure my mom didn't want me cursing at a young age. So, but you know, I'm listening to it because my cousins were listening to it. And so, yeah, I, I knew about the staple songs, as I've said before in many interviews, I knew about their staple songs. It wasn't until that I got into the, a, this role that I really found a deeper appreciation because you really start to see your life unfold and then you relate it to the music in which they're releasing and you find the similarities. You find like, oh, well, that's, you know, it's been 22 long, hard years. I'm still struggling. That's kind of my story, you know? So then it speaks to you differently instead of being that's a right. kid and just being like, cream, cash rules everything around me. You know, it's a, it's a different appreciation. And so diving deeper into it, I have talks now with people that are not not just black. I think that even though it's an entire it's they're all black, I think that it speaks to the global community. I don't think it's just specified to one group because everybody can understand struggle of some sort. Everybody can relate. I think that it's more educational than it is anything else. I would give a Wu-Tang album to my kid at age five and have them start understanding what it is, the world in which they live and the reality of other people's worlds and how you can relate it to your reality, how this changes you, how that shapes you to be a better human, how to have a better, more uh, well-rounded understanding of different people in the world. Uh, it's, it's powerful on so many different levels, on so many different levels to be your authentic, real self. And I asked my friend, we had a full debate. I love debates. We had a full debate and I asked her, I said, how many times have you, can you count on your hands where you've actually been your truest form, the truest form of you, your authentic, real self? No, no bull, no BS, no, you know, someone's here, let me do this this way. And it's, it's rare. It's rare to be that authentic. I think there's a beauty in that. There's, there's, there's something. You're talking to, to comedians, so we, we don't have oh. really a choice. Sometimes, sometimes we hide behind the funny, but the yeah. authenticism has to come in yeah. to be good. It has to. Yeah. It has is that a word, authenticism, uh, by the way? I don't know if that's a word. It is now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have no choice. The audience can smell when you're being fake up Not there. Not necessarily, because I think that there's a lot of comedians. I believe that there are a lot of comedians that are able to stand there behind a stick and then they get off stage and they're, you know I mean? There's a lot of comedians that I think that are didn't, didn't comedians and you don't know anything about them when they get off stage. So there, there are ways to hide. Behind, there are tons of ways to hide behind a punchline. But I do think that to, to your point about being your authentic self, the comed the best comedians in the world are their authentic self. When you see them, you relate to them because you're like, this is exactly who this person is. Sports enabled me to do that, too. I didn't have to be anybody else out there on the court. I could talk shit. I could be in a good mood, bad mood. I could be as happy. I could jump up and down in joy or I could lay down on the court and cry, which I did my, you know, the, the last game I lost my, my senior year. So, yeah. Um, but I know that that freedom that you speak of, because I also took Meisner where you're in every single moment. Oh my gosh. You are. Your I'm, I'm in that now. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I'm in that now, which is why I'm in this, I'm in this conversation and debates. 
But I'd, I'd say, I mean, comedians are interesting because they say, whoever they are, uh, they say that comedians tend to have a lot of insecurities, which is why they're able to have these breakout funny moments and allow their, their audience to laugh so much because they're really able to showcase their pain that they're feeling. I mean, I think that certain comedians go behind, go backstage and you see a totally different person. It may not be the same person you saw on stage. So then are they really their true authentic self? Because that's not what you showed on stage. You you just didn't let it rip. Well, it's the expression. It's the exaggeration of, you know, a lot of comedians go through forms. They start off their authentic self. Then they take years away from who they are. Then they come back. It's a journey. Yeah. I think it's really good to bring up while we're talking about this, Michael K. Williams, who passed suddenly. Um, we just found out. I mean, I remember it's one of those stars that pass that you remember where you are when you find out. Yeah. You know, I mean, what a what a talented, phenomenal, um just like the when I talk about the echelon of acting, mm. you know, I, I saw someone do a post uh, about how you forgot even the scar because you were just so invested in the man in his mm-hmm. role. Um, you know, he's, he still scenes, you know, just being there. It's like, how did, how did it affect you as a, as a young actor yourself hearing the news of his passing? Did you, did you watch him? Did he, inform you about your acting or were you a fan it's it's i i am a fan i've always been a fan of michael k i mean it's unfortunate it's that this just perpetuates the story again like that notion of all the good ones have to go first or that's just like the good ones it left me speechless when i heard about it because I am one of the ones that followed his career and that had a lot of hope in my career based off of the success of his career. So mm-hmm. when you hear news like that, there's this portion of me that's that's like, oh shoot, I gotta hurry up, or you know, I, I want more more projects because I don't wanna what if something, you know, there's that, that there, there's that, there is that, truthfully. And then there's the other part of well, let me sit back and let me think about his legacy. If I focus on the 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 amount of of transformations he was able to to be in each and every role, it's 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 going to last me and it's going to motivate me in my career to push the envelope to to push. I mean, he pushed boundaries. He 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 wasn't just a one trick pony or anything like that. He was truly an artist. And he was a dancer, so it speaks to me even That's more. Right. He loved house music. And he loved house music, and we were just yes. talking about that. And that it speaks to my career because for me, I understand the art to be one. I don't. Other people see it as different. Oh, you're a dancer, you can't be an actor. You, if you're an actor, you can't be a singer. I understand it as art is to be shared and given, especially dance. So. It's sad when that is not going to be sh- his his art is not going to be shared anymore. So then I just have to take the good from it. It really is how I how I honestly feel. I mean, I'm it, it's just devastating. I wasn't ready for that. I don't think anybody yeah. was ready for death, but 
I just I was not ready. We've for lost that. some pretty amazing black men in the entertainment industry. I think in the past like decade, two years, yeah. even it's just yeah, even the past couple months, even the past yeah. couple months, and and not even I don't know. And, as a as an artist, I'm kind of past the whole like. I don't want to say sad, but just kind of like you would, like you were saying, brother, about our parents did the best that they had with the information they had available to them, right? As to like, oh, get an education, da, 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 da. and then we go on to be artists. And now I got this tech business going on, which no one could have foreseen back in the day. I'm the same way now with art. Like, I would rather have some of the punches that Michael K threw than some long generic career. Because some of the shit that he did, you will never, ever forget. I always say, if I, God forbid I die later on after I get off this podcast, I would like people to say, you had to see this motherfucker, John Laster, mm -hmm. rather than, oh, I wish he would have done a whole bunch more. He, I wish I, I, I would rather die like that than be some okay comedian mm -hmm. that people just wish to live longer. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I would rather motherfuckers say, yo, this motherfucker had a joke about da, 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 da. when you watch this dude perform, you felt something. I'm happy with that death. I am. And I mean, later on tonight, for real, I would like motherfuckers to be like, yo, the, the, he, he did it. He was happy. Don't be sitting in my funeral like, oh, I can't believe. Well, that's for you, nigga, because this was a good run. You know what I'm saying? I had a great run and my peers respected me at the highest level. I'm cool. I'm good. I, this to me is better than being, you know, somebody says, how was John? I, I would hate for someone to say he was, he was okay. That is, a, that would be a terrible death. How was he? Yeah. he you know, he, you know, he was, never, he was, he was, you know, some nights were good. Some nights he was mm, not. Yeah. Now, John, I'm going to follow up a question. You can tell me not to ask it. But does it hit for you different too because of the, you know, the way he passed? You know, we talk about like you're in, you're in recovery and. Does it hit for me different? Yeah, because I know a lot of people in recovery when they hear these stories. I I've you know, I'm friends with a lot of people in recovery, and it does hit for them differently. Oh, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. You have to put it like this. I, if I drank a beer while we were doing this podcast, I might not be around another week. And I mean, the last time I was drinking, I had seizures. I had a seizure on the four train. I had a seizure a couple of days after that. So I've been on death's doorstep a number of times and I get very suicidal when I drink. So, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But I mean, just in terms of the work, you know, like, Shit, he he left a mark, but I mean, in terms, you know, if you if you take it to that, then oh yeah, that's because uh, I it sounds like he had struggled, you know, with that, and I don't want to make that the focus, obviously, but it's a real, it's something to, you know, to discuss because we lost him, you know. Oh, it's it's a reminder that I am one, and I know that it sounds like it sounds hyperbolic, but I am one drink away. And I mean, once like if, if 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 I toasted tonight somebody and took a shot, there's times I've disappeared for a year, two years, or been a shell of myself, or you know, sitting there sweating bullets and it's cold out, thinking about jumping in front of the next train, 
And there's been times that I had to wait two or three trains because I was afraid if I got up, I would jump in front of a train. So I know the the depths of that darkness, that despair. Um, you know, and I and and I've been on tons of shows where people are like, "Are you okay to talk about this?" I'm like, "Hell yeah!" Because maybe it'll help a motherfucker listening. That'll be like, "Well, if John went through that and got out of there, maybe I could pull myself out of this hole." It can it can be done, you know. And if you're struggling, DM me. I will accept any DMs of anyone in pain or feeling like they are uh, at, at wit's end. I answer all those DMs. Please DM me. I've been there. It's it's a serious topic, as you were saying, Marina. I think that the the space for the black man is not um, given. And I was doing this piece uh, with this photographer, and it was we were talking about that. Where do where does the black man have space to speak and emote and talk about their their struggle, their pain, and it be okay, and you not be judged or felt as though you were judged? There's not that many men that feel that there are that that I've experienced or that I've met that feel like that's okay. I mean, definitely growing up where I grew up, you weren't going to talk about that, especially not in Inglewood. Definitely not. We're going to, you were definitely not going to talk about that to who about what, 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 Go sit down. Like, what you talking about? Go get some, go through the Kool-Aid and chill off. You know what I mean? Like you got to chill. If you don't get your bitch ass <laughs> out that's there, Exactly. You know, I'm trying to be respectful, but that's, that's the truth of it. And that's the truth of the matter. So until that's addressed and how is it addressed? Wu-Tang. When you have somebody actually expressing the space in, in their, in their reality of what they're going through and it be okay and then not be shunned or judged or well, that's, you know, that's, uh, that's that's terrible. It's it's deterring our kids and our youth. No, well, listen to what they're saying. They're expressing how their reality of the world in which they live in. The very first, the very first, because you're definitely not old enough for this, brother. But there's some really old. <laughs> you don't know my reason- body. <laughs> <laughs> Touche, touche. <laughs> but there was a there's an old hip hop song, and that's why people's heads exploded when they heard the message. And the opening hook was "Don't push me, cause I'm close to the edge. I'm, I'm trying not, not to lose my head." <laughs> and the first, <laughs> one, the first time someone had outwardly said, "I'm about to lose it out here." Yeah. And then the whole message is about that, how difficult it is where this dude lives, because it wasn't just putting words together and rap. Finally, someone was saying, I'm struggling. You know, I live in a difficult environment. And people went crazy when the message came out for that reason. Somebody was finally saying, yo. But that's why when people say, hey, is it okay for us to talk about this? I'm like, please, let's air it out. Because if there's someone out there listening that says, hey, man, I thought this guy just had it. You know, oftentimes people think that, Cause you're doing good, like you always had a good. Nah, yeah, I was on death door, uh, a death door a number of times. I'm very, very suicidal. Rehab two, three times. Inpatient, outpatient. Uh, took me a long time to, uh, to, to, uh, to crawl out of that hole. It can be, it can be done though. Yes. And if you struggling, hit me up. I have to say, it's been great to see you like the way you are too in the past year, John. Like I, I can see your happiness. I actually, it makes me feel real good. It makes me feel good to see it. Oh, um, but Questlove posted this about his last post, and I thought I'd just play it before we kind of get out. Because, Nina, you have to go soon? Yeah, I'm flying home today. 
I was supposed to fly home yesterday. I missed my flight. <laughs> but I just thought I'd play this because I thought this was pretty relevant to what's happened. Cry for me. Okay, I had a misfortune accident. Don't cry for me. Cry for others, man. My grandmother told me, when you think you doing bad, there's always somebody out there worse. There's people out there in the world with nobody love. Nobody loved them. How about that? What is happiness? What is happiness? What is happiness? Whatever you think it is wrong. It's simpler than that. It's way simpler than that. You know what true happiness is? Having something to look forward to. Tracy Morgan. That's That was his last, um, Michael K. I guess, had posted that. It was Tracy on The Breakfast Club, yeah. Yeah, so I guess Michael K. had put that on his Instagram, apparently. And that was his last post on, um, yeah, I just find that, oh, it's so deep, you know, to have something to look forward to. And I think that is the overall theme of this pandemic as well, you know, to check in with people, DM people, just making sure that everyone is fine. I, you know, I do a lot of that work with my own family. Sometimes I, you know, I tap out with other people because it's overwhelming right now, the people you have to check in with. I'd, I'd like to add to that and say that it's also checking in with yourself. And I think that a lot of times so many people have so many escapes. Acting, comedy, dance. So many people are able to escape and say, oh, let's have, let's have dinner. Let's have lunch. Let's, well, yeah, I was going to go, you know, just write in my journal, but you know, it's, I could, I could, I could all that. We could go get, let's go get drinks. There's so many ways in which we allow to, okay. yeah, listen, let's go hit a little real quick one. You know what I mean? Cause it's fast, it's yeah. easy. And it, 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 it gives you a temporary happiness, which I think happiness is temporary, but you know, I think it, it feels that, that, void in that space. So yeah, a lot of people feel it with that. So being forced to be locked down and, you know, consider life and death in the, in the scheme of COVID and whatnot, it, it, you dig into yourself, you dig into the person you married to, you dig into your kids. You like, uh, I realize you're not who you, who I thought you were, or I knew who you were and I've been putting it off and now I have to actually face it. So I think, it yeah. yeah, it's, it's a call to action. It's uh, and that's, I think I, this is, and this is my belief. I think that it is, I'm sensitive to those that have passed because I've had people that have passed most recently too. And it, it breaks my heart. However, I'd like to say that is definitely a time that I think is needed because there's so many people, even me, I've had to look internal and be like, dang, I don't like that part about myself. You know, I don't, I don't like this or I'm not, I'm not, this is not really me or, or, you know, I just, I would like to change this. I need to work on this or I need to talk to somebody. There's so many things that, that people push away and push aside until it's time to face it. And I think that sometimes it could be so hard to face that death is some, is, is, is the best option for some. And that's unfortunate. I am so looking forward to seeing your work, man, in this show. Because your depth, the depth that you have is so mature. It's so wonderful. It's so vulnerable. It's so good. It's going to get. So Thank if you're you. not watching Wu Tang, the series on Hulu now, you better catch up. I'm streaming it. <laughs> now, we were going to talk about men quitting porn. 
but that I don't think that's the button on the show. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm gonna, it just doesn't vibe right now. To like really fit in. And I had kind of gone in on my interns about how they hadn't summed up the article correctly. I just I just quit last week. Oh, did you? Yeah. I mean, I see you joking about it on stage. So I'm like, someone has a problem with the porn. But they did say that 30 there was a 30 percent increase in sex addiction. I don't know. I don't know what people are doing. Are you watching porn, Nina, before your flight on your flight? No, I'm probably editing stuff that I had that should have been done last week. <laughs> oh, I thought she was going to say editing a video, a porn video that she already did. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, got it. So you wanna, anyway, we'll talk about porn on a on a different show and your addiction to porn. <laughs> Marina, but this is this is so off topic. But what you just did there about like uh, pulled up his last post and like what it is. That's why I'm so like... I always get freaked out. I'm like, what if I die? And this is the last thing people are going to see that I posted. And it's like some twerk video or something. <laughs> it's happened. <laughs> That's why I'm like, shit, I need to like always be conscious of what what's up online it or like what's in my room. Of your life. <laughs> yeah, because I'm always thinking, I'm like, like, what if I die? And my parents have to like come clean up my apartment and they find like all the things they shouldn't find. <laughs> but then it's like, I'm dead. So who cares? But I think about that a lot. <laughs> I think there are people that are mature with death and at the afterlife and whatever. There are people that are mature and there are people that haven't got to that maturity level just yet. I think for John, it's interesting to hear that perspective because I'm like, wow, it sounds like you have a much more insightful approach to or understanding yeah. of death and the afterlife. For me, there's such a connection to my family and to, to certain people that I'm like, oh, wait, but I want to see and I want to, but when you've been, ex- or if you've been experienced or if you haven't been experienced, but you just feel that space of, well, I'm okay with, with what is going on after I die or with whatever I'm meeting. And, and, and you know what? In all fairness, addiction doesn't allow you to see that far. Mm. You know, until you've been down in that rabbit hole, you really, really are just like, do I want to get up and do this again? But the idea of family or idea of, you know, I remember one time I was, I had been trying to kill myself. So I was just doing all the drugs I could. People told me that I would overdose. And I just kept waking up later and later the next day, frustrated, like, God damn, it didn't work again. That is, that is a skit. And that would be funny if that was on Comedy Central. Like, shit, yes. again. And, it, and so it would be dark outside. And sometimes it would be five. This is the dead of the winter, right? So I didn't know if it was five in the morning or five at night when I would wake up sometimes. And I remember my, I remember, you know, coming out of that, that fog and my landlord saying to me, she was also a friend of mine. She was like, well, what if you'd have died? You know, my son loves you. Like, how would he have taken? And they, we all lived in the same building. He said he would have been devastated had he known you died right next door. And especially that you killed yourself. I couldn't see that far. I never mm. once considered the other people in the building, mom, this, all I was consumed with was that bottle and that pile of cocaine and trying to make my heart race to the point that I stopped living. I couldn't see far enough to how it would affect someone else. That's a sober thought. When you're down in that rabbit hole, you're just debating about, do I want to go on? Do I want to do this shit again tomorrow? I'm exhausted. Mm. So I, 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 mm. I know that um, I know that exhaustion, that that feeling of defeat, that feeling of there's no way to make this better. And it's not true. You know, it's a chemical 
thing going on in your body that's telling you, that's telling your brain, like, there's no way out of here. We are trapped. We are stuck. This is not ever going to get any better. You know, I'm a failure. Um, I'm just going to keep this curtain shut, this, these black curtains that we often put over our windows as addicts and, um, and hope that it ends, you know, and, and whether we should stop watching porn or not. <laughs> I'm sorry to give you, give you that button. I, I know I, I, I threw in the porn button. I'm just saying it. <laughs> but I, I think it's so important what you're saying, John, because I think like his, his death is going to reopen some wounds for a lot of people right now where they're going to revisit their moments with drug addiction and finding themselves in a moment, you know, whatever it is where they couldn't figure their way out of it or what is, what are they looking forward to or not looking forward to? And it's a very serious time right now where a lot of people are going through some very serious pain. So it's important. It's an important one. I mean, the first, the first thing to do, though, is tell somebody, anybody, I understand not wanting to tell a friend because you're embarrassed or family, tell a stranger. Like I said, DM me. Yo, I feel fucked up. I've been there. I get it. I'm not going to judge you. Just tell somebody, anybody. Because oftentimes we just, you know, keep that tucked in. And then before you know it, it's like, oh, my God, I just talked to John yesterday. I didn't know that he was feeling that way. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now, Nina has to go. She, I can see her trying to get her suitcase or she's looking at someone. Nina, why don't you just tell us real fast where the, our listeners can find you and a friends like us? And then you can skedaddle. Yes, I should not have missed my fly yesterday, but that's a whole different topic. I went skydiving. It was a mistake. Um, <laughs> she has such that's interesting fine. stories like this, like no, constantly. No, it was it was bad. I landed and I started throwing up. I got real sick. Um, my friends made me. I need new friends. Um, <laughs> you can find me on Instagram at Nina Karufa, um, N-I-N-A-K-H-A-R, and then I'll pop up after that because my last name is hard to spell. <laughs> um, and with friends like us, I'll come and I'll help you clean your apartment if it ever floods. Aww. I know how that feels. Thank you, Nina. I'll get you a new gown. All right, you're free. You're free to go. Yeah. I- it was so nice meeting you guys. Nice meeting you. So nice meeting you, Nina. And have a good trip wherever you're going. Oh, wait. I got to take a picture. I got to take a picture. Home. I'm going home. Oh. I'm in Chicago. Hold on. Oh, you're in Chicago. You're in my home. Chi-town. Have you been to Mercadito? I've been here for too long. No. Is that a restaurant? Oh, my gosh. It's fire. It's fire. Is what? It? What is it? Which one? It's called Mercadito. Mercadito. Oh. It's it sounds Chi-town. fancy. It's, it's so good. That don't sound like it's on black. Okay, you could go now, Nina. Sorry. I don't want you to miss your flight. I don't want to be the reason for that. I love you, Marina. (laughs) Love you. I love you. I'll go to you, John. John, tell us where our listeners can find you and give us a friend like us. Please check me out at He Was Funny. Um, Everybody knows how to spell He Was Funny on my Instagram with friends like us. I hope we have a picnic soon. Ooh. Oh, you said a lot there, John. You sure did. I hope we do too. <laughs> and with friends like us, I hope that we download Blap and shop on Blap. That would be awesome. <laughs> oh, there you Love go. That. Yeah. I just downloaded Blap. I'm a, I found all the Black-owned businesses in my neighborhood because of you, John. 
Yes, I need y'all to download it and share it on your social media after you get that 10-person badge. <laughs> Uyata, tell our listeners where they can find you. And I know in the series, we're so happy that you were able to join us today. We really, like, if you want to come back anytime, please feel free. Absolutely. Our listeners, Thank like, you. just you're just so wonderful. And I'm so excited for everything that you're doing. I'm really excited. It's like you're, you're going to inspire so many young kids that want to like look up to just someone fulfilling their dream and just being good at it and authentic at it. So thank you. Uh, find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook at Udi Taking Over. It's way bigger than me, but my URL name is Udi Taking Over. That's U-D-I-T-A-K-E-N-O-V-E-R. And friends like us need more Kool-Aid without the sugar. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that was very good for the first time. Shout out to my improv class. You know what I mean? Shout out to my teacher, Constance Dilson. This improv is working out. I got John laughing right here. Verita, y'all might bring me on stage. You know what I mean? Hand me the microphone real quick. <laughs> no, yes, yes. For the stage near you, you know, and a guada guada at the same time with a crip walk in it. <laughs> oh, I want to do the guada guada so bad. I want to get it. I want to get it <laughs> for my Friday night video. Yeah, I used to do dance videos every Friday, and that was the one move I I was trying to get. I got to get it. I got you. Uh, Marina Franklin here. Go to my website, marinafranklin.com. Follow all things Friends Like Us. And with Friends Like Us, you can meet your new friend on this platform, on a podcast, and find out some really inspiring things. And yeah, I'm not as good as you with my own Friends Like Us. <laughs> I was I was stretching it. I was trying to find it. Look at me. No improv skills here. (laughs) But no, really, thank you all for being here today. It was wonderful. And I wish you nothing but the best. Check Check us out. out. We got to get John's crip walk in this boomerang real quick, though. (laughs) (laughs) I just crip walk across the couch. Okay, a little corn, a little toenail. Are you going to get up and do it? He was looking at his feet. He was looking at his feet.